Um, you guys, today we are going to be talking about uh, education. I talked last week from the pulpit, getting you guys ready that it's that time again. We're going to talk about education. And I can't think of a better way to talk. Oh, thank you, uh, junior hires. You guys know the drill. Hey, I'm going to just say Mike Van Meter was up here doing announcements. He was the junior high pastor. You should remember these things. Uh, if Mission 910's meeting, you guys can go as well. Dude, look at this room. You guys, look at all of our kids. This is, not, this is amazing. Um, I saw a couple adults leave. That was rude, but I didn't. Uh, I cannot think of, um, of a better way to talk about education than to start off by talking about God's ordained authority. When we understand God's ordained authority, we understand it's the foundation and it's the basis of God's plan for us here on earth, okay? It's, it, and, and so last year, when I gave this message on education, we started it with talking about God's ordained authority. You probably won't remember this because you probably don't remember what was preached seven days ago, let alone a year ago. But last year, I talked about God's authority with two word pictures, the, the sword of the government and the keys of the church. And this year, I'd like to talk about authority through a different passage just to give us a deeper understanding. And as we go through this and we're looking at education in the eyes of authority, it's important for us to get this understanding of God's ordained authority because it really helps us make right choices on all levels of life when we understand what God has given to what institutions. And under, when you understand the world through the eyes of God's ordained authority, you start to realize why some institutions fail while others are blessed. And we should be encouraged in this, in this talk on education, we should be encouraged that as we exercise God's will over our kids in his God's given authority, he stands with and empowers us with as parents and he stands and empowers our kids as well. So I wanna just briefly go over the four institutions or spheres that God has given his authority to here on earth. It's all God's authority. He gets to give it as he sees fit and he gives it to four different institutions. The, um, the first one is the is personal government, right? The individual. And then you have family government. Then you have church government. And lastly, civil government. And everything that God, all of God's plans here on earth are gonna work through his authority given to these four different institutions. And, and, and with each of these institutions, God assigns certain, not all responsibility, certain responsibilities. And when these four areas of government, when these four areas of God's authority work under their God-given authority or their boundaries, God gives them great grace and great help to be effective. Have you guys seen that? Let me ask this question. Think about civil government. Is our military any good? Heck yeah, it is. You guys understand that God gave the authority of civil government to protect us our borders, right? And they are incredible at doing it. We don't just have the best um, army in the world right now. We have the best army in, in all of history. When you guys go outside, are you safe? You feel like the police take care of you? Because they are blessed in their sphere of authority. When each of these 
um, these four governments stay in their lane within their boundary markers, God blesses it. The problem comes, and this is where I want you guys to follow me, the problem comes when one of these spheres of authority does not take up its responsibility that's been given to it. Or another problem occurs when one of these spheres of authority, these four governments, overstep its boundaries and trespass into the responsibilities given to one of the other spheres of authority. God, the Bible specifically charges us. I want you to hear this. The Bible specifically charges us to keep the boundaries which God has set up in his own infinite wisdom and his own authority. We are not supposed to use them. And as we talk about education, we need to first set the foundation and understand education through these worldviews, these ideas. Proverbs 22, 28. I want to read you a couple scriptures here that, that goes along with this. Proverbs 22, 28 says this. Do not move the ancient what? Do not move the ancient boundary which your fathers have set. And again, in Proverbs 23, 10, he says, do not move the ancient boundary or go into the field of the fatherless. Now, what are these boundary markers that are not supposed to be moved? Now, he's referring to Joshua, the conquest of Joshua. As, as they were taking over the land, God was dividing up the land to all of the different families, the 12 families. He was giving them their inheritance and he was setting them up within the parameters of these boundaries. And Psalm 78, 54, he, he, they, um, they talk about it again. So he, meaning God, brought them to his holy land, meaning the promised land. This is the Joshua time to his hill country, which his right hand had gained. He also drove out the nations before them and appointed them for an inheritance by measure. He allotted each family exactly the promises that he was giving to that family, not to the other families, but to that one. And they were to keep those boundaries, markers up no matter what. Because we find out what would happen if those boundary markers got moved, if those spheres of authority were changed, move uh, one way or the other. Let's, let's read what happens. We're just reading straight through. So uh, Deuteronomy, this is Moses. He's talking about when you go into the land, when you take over the, 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 the land and you're gonna get the promises, but if you move these boundary markers, Deuteronomy 19.14 says this, you shall not move your neighbor's boundary markers which the ancestors have set in your inheritance, which you will inherit in the land that the Lord your God gives you to possess. He says, do not move the boundary markers. And again, in Deuteronomy 27, 17, he says this. He, he makes it even more important. He, he makes it even more intense. He said, cursed, say cursed. Cursed is he who moves his neighbor's boundary mark. And all the people say, amen right? These boundary stones would ensure that these families would receive the blessing that God had given specifically to them. They were not to be moved for two reasons. One, because if the boundary markers were moved, then that generation and the next generations would be robbed of their blessing. Do you understand that? 
they would be robbed of God's promises. But also, they are not to be moved because the one who moves it will receive a curse. So why was God so strict? Why was he so strict with these boundary markers and, and the curse and, all, and, and the, the, the lift of the promises? I'm gonna tell you right now, when God gives authority, when God gives authority, he also gives a blessing and empowerment to those people and institutions that fulfill and stay within their boundaries. I wanna say it again a little shorter. When God gives authority, he also gives blessing and empowerment to those that stay within their boundaries. We have to understand this when it comes to education. See, it's different. Our promised land is not the same as their promise. Our promise is from God. It's not a promised land over in Canaan. Does anybody have any land in Canaan in here? That's not our promise. Our promise is all of the promises that God has given to us. But the only way we can see those promises fulfilled is if we stay within the boundaries that God has called and ordained them to be in his own power and his own wisdom. Only then will they come to pass. Think about our founding fathers. Our founding fathers worked hard. They labored hard to make sure that the biblical boundaries of our country stay intact so that their children's children's children would receive the blessing. Is that what they did? Here's the problem. We have to understand that. Here's the problem. The problem is that over the last number of decades, men have gone out and they have moved the boundary markers of America, haven't they? They have changed moral guidelines. They have set new behavioral standards inside of our culture. They have given more room. They've empowered the civil government and undermined the other governments, the government of the family and the government of the church. And specifically, what we're looking today is education. They have moved the boundary markers of education from the family to the, the civil government, and our kids are paying the price. Children belong to the family, not to the state. I wanna say that again, yeah. <laughs> Children belong to the family, not to the state. But we've seen this thing going on where we've seen teachers unions. I mean, turn on the news over the last couple of years. Teachers unions and, and boards of education have basically told parents to back off. Let the, let the professionals deal with your kids. You don't know what you're doing. In fact, in our own county, San Diego Union School District, during this lockdown, you guys probably remember this, they made the parents sign waivers that they would not listen in on what was being taught, the curriculum that was being taught during those Zoom meetings from the house. But I wanna say this right now. I want you guys to know this. This is important. God, parents, I want you to listen to me right now. God has given you the keys to your kids. No one else can fit that role. No one else can replace you. You are God's answer. And it's exactly like we read in Deuteronomy about the curse. If you take your, someone else's authority, a curse comes on it. And this is why we see so many kids failing in our public school systems, isn't it? It's because they've taken the Bible, they've taken God out 
of the system and they've tried to do it outside of his will and they've left you guys out because you are the hope. I wanna say also this. As this curse comes on, we start to see that, you know the public school system is not the same public school that you were in when you were a kid. Maybe some of you guys went to it. Maybe some of you guys went to Christian school. It's not the same public school system. It's changed drastically. It's been radicalized. The public school systems are indoctrinating our American children with dangerous propaganda, ideology, with the goal of turning them against God, against church, against family, against country, against morality. Radical sex education is promoting homosexuality, fornication, gender confusion. They're taught to embrace secularism. These are our kids. They're taught to embrace evolution. SAT scores have plummeted. Many are are actually graduating as functional illiterates. And then you've got all the violence, the drugs, the alcohol, the psychological abuse, the the, uh, CRT, critical race theory. You know, the truth is, is that much of the curriculum that is being given and forced upon our teachers is calculated to make our kids look negatively at their country, their heritage, and the biblical principles that that America was founded on. This is not the same public school system that you went to. They're re-educating America. And this is exactly what happens. We have to realize this. We can't be shocked because this is exactly what happens when an institution oversteps its boundaries, trespasses, on the authority that was given to another. We see a curse and we see a breakdown. God, I want all of you to listen, God is calling us. Parents, God is calling you. Foothills, God is calling us to restore the ancient boundaries for our kids. Do you guys understand that? God calls us to restore the ancient boundaries of education for our kids. And parents, you are the boundaries. And the rest of Foothills, we help become those boundaries. This is not just a message for parents. This is a message for all of us, for parents, for grandparents, for businessmen, businesswomen, for all of us. We stand with the parents. There's only one way to change our world. Only one and that is to take back the education of our children. Do you know that? There's one way. Wong Zong, Chinese philosopher. Blah, 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 blah. I do that at least once a service. Chinese philosopher says this, and I love this. He says, if you plant for a year, plant rice. If you plant for a decade, plant a tree. If you plant for 100 years, educate a child. God cares very much about the education of our children and he gave the authority to do so to the parents and to the church as a larger expression of the family. God's ordained role for education is given to the family, but but the family and the church are married, they're united. The church is the largest expression of the family. The family is the smallest expression of the church. Two components of the same thing. In fact, throughout the entire Bible, this is not just a parent problem, you guys. Throughout the entire Bible, they, they tell us to call each other what? Mother, br- I mean, uh, sister, brother, right? 
father, mother. Jesus himself calls us the family of God. We are part of this as well. Last year, last year we made a decision. January last year, we made a decision that the education of our kids is no longer just a parent problem. It's a church problem. You guys remember making that decision together. We're gonna have another time to make it today. There's no way that you can read the Bible and come to any other conclusion that, than that God has given parents and the church the responsibility, not the civil government, to take care of our kids. And if we take it outside of those bounds, we will always find uh, um, fall, uh, them falling apart. Only when they're kept within the, in, in the boundaries where we see true blessings over our kids. I'm gonna support this right now. Do you guys know what the most important scripture, the most important passage in the Old Testament is? Anybody wanna take a guess? Yeah, the Shema. Oh, Nathan Cornett, good job. This is for you, next service, okay? <laughs> the Shema is the most, if you were an Old Testament believer, you would have no question or no doubt the Shema is the most important passage in the Old Testament. What is the Shema? We're gonna read it right now. It was Israel, Israel's most basic creed. In fact, when they recited it, they had to stand up and recite it. It was the first prayer of an Israelite child. It is even today the last confession of an Orthodox Jew on his deathbed. What is the Shema? Let's read it right now. Deuteronomy 6, verses four through nine. It says here, now let me just stop real quick. Here is the Hebrew word Shema. Shema doesn't mean just to simply hear like we use it. It means to hear so deep inside of your spirit that it causes action to come forth. It says here, he's about to say something so important. We're about to read something so important that it shouldn't just go into our ears. It shouldn't just be memorized with our minds, but it should go in the depths of our soul and cause us to act. He says here, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently. Say, teach them diligently. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This was God's most basic plan for Israel. It was how he was gonna restore righteousness and his peace on earth. There was no higher priority. There was two main commands. What were they? One, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. And then at just as important to teach your kids to do the same. Do you guys see that? First, love the Lord your God with everything. Second, teach your kids to do the same. Mark 12, 28. We're gonna, we're gonna jump into the New Testament. What's the greatest commandment of the New Testament? We just read the one of the Old Testament. Now let's look at the greatest commandment of the New Testament. Jesus 
himself says it. Mark 12, 28 through 30. One of the scribes came and hearing them arguing, recognizing that he had answered them well, he asked him, asked Jesus, what commandment is foremost or first or greatest? What's, what is the most important thing of all? And Jesus answered, the foremost, the first is, do you guys see it? Shema, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one. He quotes Deuteronomy, Jesus himself. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your what? That wasn't in the first one, was it? It's interesting. Jesus adds mind with all your mind and with all your strength. It's the greatest commandment and he included the mind. Why? Because we have a sacred duty to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and an equally sacred duty to teach it to our kids. Do you guys hear that? What he's saying is we are to give our kids a Christian education at any cost. Uh, give them Christian worldviews. And when we do that, we replace the ancient boundaries among our kids, our own kids, or the kids of foothills, and God's blessing starts to get poured onto them because that is where you find the blessing of God within his boundary markers that he sets up within his own will. I would like to read you something. This is from one of our students in our high school. Junior Gianna Saffer. She was asked a question by her Bible teacher. It was one of their, their subjects. The question was, what has been the single most important factor in maturing your faith and why? That's like a normal question they ask in our public school systems, right? <laughs> what has been the single most important factor in maturing your faith and why? And I love what she said. I got a chance, uh, our Bible teacher sent this to me. One of the most, uh, this is her, one of the most important factors in maturing my faith has been this school. Everything from Bible classes to worship to chapel speakers, these have all created such an impact on me and on my faith. The atmosphere and the teachers at the school have made me realize that I need to work in order to grow my faith and knowledge of God. Is that the same atmosphere that they feel inside of government-ran schools? Because right now what we're seeing is education in the boundary markers that God has ordained how many of you guys want to hear your junior saying this stuff? Also, scriptures has helped me mature my faith. I didn't realize how important it was and how much I needed it until I really started reading it. It is so encouraging and full of wisdom, but also warns us of our challenges in life and evil people. It helped me mature in the way that I act and think. And when I read the Bible, I grow in understanding the reasons for what I believe. And it helps me support those reasons with evidence. Scripture is truth and nothing can contradict it. Sounds like Mike's message from last week. If interpreted well, it is the foundation of life. I hope my kids write something like this someday. I hope they are so influenced by the atmosphere and teachers of the Christian uh, school worldviews that I'm gonna be giving them. School and scriptures are the two factors that have shaped my faith and have helped me mature. They have allowed me to gain more knowledge. The Bible is fact. I love this ending. The Bible is fact and a book to rely on and constantly learn from. That's what this junior in high school says, right? That's a girl that has been educated under the boundary markers 
that God has put in place and she has matured well. This is what happens when we keep the boundary markers intact. Let me read to you Proverbs 22, six. It's a great scripture. But this scripture is a scripture that many people misunderstand. It's a scripture that people don't read carefully. It's one that we've all heard. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I'm gonna tell you a lot of people read the scripture. They read the scripture like this. Train up a child, and then he'll never leave the faith. But that is not what this says, nor is that true, because because kids have to make their own choices, don't they? They're not robots. It does not say train up a child and he will never leave the faith. I'm gonna show you what it actually means. It means train up a child and the faith will never leave them. When you train up a child, and we're gonna have to look up what train up a child means, the training that you've given under the parameters, if you've done it right, will always be in that person. I wanna tell you real quick a story about a, um, a couple that I took out to dinner um, after the rally on Wednesday night. We went out to dinner and they'd given their life to the Lord, I think relatively recently, 2019, I think is what it was. And I asked them, I was like, why did you come to church? Like, what was, what was the situation that caused you to come to church? And she said, um, she's like, well, we were, my daughter was having problems and we knew we needed to get help. And, and, and I I said, but why church? Why not like a psychiatrist? Why not a, you know, why church? And she said, because she was not church. She didn't have church. Because when I was in eighth and ninth grade, I went to Hamul Community Church with one of my neighbors for all of their youth groups and it never left me. That's what it means. It means that inside of her, all of the youth ventures and the higher ground clubs and all of those things that we're doing, our youth groups, are, that is exactly what it's doing. It's training up a child and it's putting something inside of them that they will remember for this person 30 years later. And it caused her to say, we need help. I'm going to what I know works. Do you guys hear that? Train up means, it's, it's the Hebrew word, hanak, to be set apart. That's what it means. A child is to be set apart for the Lord by educating them and filling them with the knowledge of God. A secondary meaning of train up, Hanuk, means uh, to fill the hand. So it's also emphasizing that training should be comprehensive, filling the entire kid, kids with the knowledge and truth of God. And when you do that, kids may walk away. But the Bible promises that the foundation of what was happening is still in them. They have to go back to it like Erica did. They have to make the decision like Erica did. We can pray for that, but you have to remember, if you have a prodigal son in here and you've trained him up in the way that he should go and you've done a good job, know this, that that faith is still in them. Might be covered up, but it's in them. But here's another part of that scripture that we have to have a reality on. Train up means to fill. Can we be confident if we're sending our kids away to a secular school where they're being taught secular things, radicalized sexual education, and they're just, and, and we're bringing them to church and they're getting Sunday school an hour and a half a week? Is that enough? They're getting 
35 hours a week at their school and they're getting an, a week, an hour and a half a week here. Is that enough to be confident that we've trained them up well? The honest truth, can I just be real right now? The honest truth is we need to do whatever we can, sell whatever we can, do whatever we can to get our kids in a Christian worldview and out of a secular system that is poised to destroy them. That is the truth of the matter. And that might be hard to hear, but that is what we read inside of scriptures. I'm convinced of this too, that if we are ever going to have lasting revival, Okay, spiritual awakening that's going to make a change, that's going to last over time, that, that it cannot take place if we keep sending our kids to these public institutions. If we want to see America change, then we need to be doing two things. One, praying for revival and training up our kids in the right way. Remember, education is never meant to be understood outside of God. Do you guys know that? It, it, it's, not, it's not spiritually empty. I mean, what is biology? Biology is the study of how God made life. How do you understand that right if you don't understand how God himself made it? Physics is a study of how God made the universe and the rules that he made to govern the universe. English is, is the incredibility that God gave humans to commune with each other about God and to talk with God. How can you understand all of these subjects outside of God? They're, they're not spiritually empty. They are spiritually full. School is not simply teaching students specific subjects, is it? It is giving them, it is teaching them what is right, what is wrong. It's teaching them how to think. It's teaching them to have values. It's teaching them how to behave. It's giving them a comprehensive worldview. It, and, and it is so important that we infuse these kids in good environments with Christian teaching because how many of you guys know that for the most part, the majority of kids in this age group are not lights, they're sponges. Is this true? When you look at your junior higher, your, your, when you think back to when you were a junior high, were you a light or a sponge? I was a sponge for sure. You want to know who the lights are? Lights are teachers. The teachers are the lights. They are the salt inside of those public schools. In fact, I say this, and I'm saying this again. Teachers in here, you're not just a teacher. You are a missionary. Do you understand that? You are a missionary on those school campuses you have a chance to be this great light and this great salt to other sponges. And we, I just want you to know, we pray for you all the time. We pray that God would give you great boldness, that he would give you great influence with all of those kids that you get to see every day. It's not just the teachers that are the lights. The education board members. Listen, in, in Elka, I'm sorry, in East County, in, in Lakeside School Board, uh, Santee School Board, Cajon Valley, Grossmont Union. You guys, we've been lucky that we have voted well. And we have, we have a lot of these board members, the majority on all of these, have been the great defenders of our kids. Do you know that? They have defended all of the propaganda and the, the radicalized 
um, ideas coming down from Sacramento and from our teachers union. They've, stand, they've stood at bay. And we thank you guys as well. We do. Yeah, let's give them a hand. We have some that are in this room right now. Here's the deal. We have to do whatever we can to, to get our kids into these Christian worldviews and these Christian schools or homeschools or something. And it is so important. But the truth is, is that some of us in here that have kids, we find it impossible. And I wanna make this, this clear. For some of us, it is impossible. It really is. If you have a kid with special needs, I have a kid with special needs. If you have a kid with special needs, the, the Christian school or homeschool does not have funding enough to take care of all of the therapies and the uh, machineries that, that our kids, our special needs kids need. It's just too much, we can't do it. You find it impossible and you find yourself stuck. Maybe you're co-parenting. The same thing, you find yourself stuck in this impossible situation. Let's get the band to come up. And, and you're sitting there and you look out and you realize how bad you want to put your kids into a Christian worldview. But the problem is your other parent that you're, you're co-parenting with says no. They won't allow it. And you find yourself stuck. And other families are gonna find themselves stuck for other reasons. I wanna talk to all of you right now. I wanna make this important. This is exactly why you have the church. Because you are not alone in this, we wanna stand with you. That is why we try so hard and other churches try so hard to reach out to kids. That's why we have Sunday school, youth group, mentorship programs, camps, after school, Bible clubs, future quests, all of these things, because we know how important it is to counteract what they're getting taught inside of a secular system. And we want to stand with you and you are not alone if you find yourself stuck. But you have to make these things important. You have to try harder. You have to make sure that your kids are in their youth groups, in their mentorship programs, that they're in their small groups, that they are getting a lot here and a lot at home. Do you read your Bible with your kids? Because for you, it is incredibly more important when you find yourself stuck. And I wanna encourage you something as well. This is the neat part about God. God asks us, he understands that we have limitations in our lives. God asks us to do our very best. And then he comes in in the areas where we have limitations and he helps where we cannot help. Do you know that that's the kind of God that we serve? You may hear it and you may think, man, I just wanna get my kids in. I'm, they're doomed because they can't. That is not the truth. God helps us in our limitations. He will minister and meet with your kids in the ways that your kids need. Our job is to do the very best we can. Let's stand up right now.